We are finishing up our Powerball series today, and I've fully enjoyed this series and uh, the Powerballs of Jesus and the stories of Jesus. We said at the very beginning that uh, Powerballs are basically earthly stories with uh, a spiritual meaning, and we've talked throughout this series about the kingdom of God and uh, the kingdom of heaven, and that it is not uh, not just a place you go when you die, but it is accessible right now if you are a follower of Jesus, and you can live in that kingdom right now. And uh, as we close out today, we're actually going to look at three different parables today. And so we'll quickly go through them. Um, But uh, this basically ties up all that we've been talking about today and basically how we live our life in the kingdom of God. So earlier this summer, uh, we went on a a week vacation with my family from England, and uh, they had rented a beach house um, in Destin, Florida, which is in the panhandle of Florida, and they had rented a beach uh, house that was right on the beach, and so uh, we went and spent the week there, and you came out like uh, uh, the the back, you went down the deck, and your feet were in the sand. I mean, it was great. Uh, And one of the days we were there, we we, got up, we'd had breakfast, and uh, uh, we'd done a few things and then went out onto the beach uh, to spend uh, the late morning and early afternoon just laying on the beach. And as we got there, there was a guy who is, uh, uh, who, who they've rented a condo that's uh, a few doors down from ours. And uh, he is there, and it looks like he has been there for several hours already. I think he must have got up really early in the morning, and he started to build this sandcastle. Now, I'm not talking about he just got his kids bucket and spade and like just like turned it over, tapped the top, and ooh, you got this sandcastle. I'm talking about this elaborate sandcastle he started to make. Now, if you've ever been like to the, the beaches on the Gulf Coast in, in Florida, then the sand is really fine, and so it's really hard to build a sandcastle. And so you need water to do that. So the guy was building a sandcastle right by the water, uh, and, 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 and he started to build like one tower, and then he built two towers hours and he just kept going and going and it was amazing because he just like spent all day there building a sandcastle and we kept watching and this thing just got more elaborate as as it went by and people would walk by and they would look they would stare they were like wow what a great sandcastle and he spent all day there I don't know what his kids were doing these kids were here there and everywhere but he wasn't paying any attention to his kids all he was caring about was his sandcastle I don't know if like his little boy says hey can we build a sandcastle and you know what dads are like, like seven hours later, we've got like the Taj Mahal, you know, and the little boy's like in the water already. But he was there building this sandcastle, and it was the most elaborate thing ever. So we actually left uh, to, to, to go and get ready to go out to dinner that night, and he was still building the sandcastle. He'd been there for like seven or eight hours in the hot sun. I think his wife just came and like layered him with suntan lotion once in a while. I don't know how he peed or anything like that, so I don't know when he went to the bathroom. I don't want to know, but all I know is he stayed there all day. And it was amazing. And you could just see the look on his face. He was so proud of his sandcastle. Well, we went out that night. And we came back and just a little storm rolled in that night. The waves got a little rough and the tide came in and we woke up that next morning and the sandcastle was destroyed. This thing, this guy had spent like seven or eight hours building. All that was left were the remains of a few little towers the next day. And I started looking, we were like, oh, what a shame. The guy spent all this time building this castle. And all that happened was a storm came through. And in one moment, it's just gone. And this actually reminds me of the teachings of Jesus. 
actually some of the things that Jesus said. Because even though this man had spent all day building a sandcastle, all it took was one storm to come and destroy everything that he built. And let me tell you, show you today what Jesus was talking about when uh, this reminds me of the teachings of Jesus. If you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, we're going to start reading. It says there, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in, uh, comes in torrents and the flood, we- flood waters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And it says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the other teachers of the religious law. Jesus is saying this here in this little story. He is saying the wise think through the decisions of life and questions what happens when the storms roll in in life. Now, any builder, when they are building, whether it's a small structure or a large structure, they know the importance of a foundation. Because without a foundation, then all it takes is just one little thing to come and the whole, play, all the whole house comes crashing down. The whole building comes crashing down. And they realize the bigger the building, the bigger the need for a, a more deep and solid foundation. Now, have you ever seen a straw house being built in Florida? Probably not. If you go out to the Midwest, you will not see houses that are built on stilts or pylons. Because if a tornado comes through, then you want to get to the lowest part of the ground. You don't want to be in the air in stilts. When a hurricane comes through in Florida, you don't want to be in a straw house at all. And this is the same here with with, with what Jesus is saying. He's saying when a storm comes through, you do not want your life to be built on sand. Think about the three little pigs for the moment. I used to love the story, the three little pigs. There was a, a pig who built a house of straw, a pig who ha- built a house of sticks, and a pig who built a house of bricks. When the big bad wolf came, who was the one who was left standing and not eaten by the wolf? It was the one who had built the house with bricks because that, the, that little pig had under, understood it wasn't how quick you could build the house. It wasn't just to get shelter right away. It was something that was going to last when the wolf came. And Jesus is saying this here. He's saying that people who build their lives on rock are going to be able to withstand, withstand the storm as opposed to people who build their lives on the sands. Now I ask you today, what is the foundation of your life? What is your life being built on right now? You may say, my life is built on the solid rock of my family. My family is my rock. You may say, my morals, my life is built on my morals. Or others may say, my values, my life is built on my values. Some of you say today, your your foundation is your education. Or your, your foundation is your career. 
or your foundation is your upbringing and, 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 and the things you learned from your parents as you were growing up. What is your foundation today? Whatever your foundation is, I want you to ask yourself this question. Is it a foundation that a significant life can be built on even when the storms of life roll through? Can the foundation of your life withstand the storms when they roll through? So Jesus is saying this in this little story here. We used to sing a little song when I went to Sunday school as a kid, and I will not sing it for you right now, but it was all about the wise man built his house on the rock, and uh, it was kind of funny, but it was like, it will get in your head if I sing it, and you'll be singing it for the rest of the day, and then you'll be cursing me out for the rest of the week because you can't get the song out of your mind. But this is what Jesus is saying in this story. The first thing he's saying, he's saying, the rock is Jesus. The rock is Jesus. Those who, who are wise build their lives on the teachings of Jesus. That's what he's saying. He's saying that if you want to live a wise life that can withstand all that life throws at you, then the only way that you can do that is to have a foundation that is the teachings of Jesus. I've discovered that wisdom is not something that can be taught or passed on. Wisdom is not something that can be bought or practiced, but wisdom is a gift from God. James chapter 1 tells us that if you want wisdom, then go to the Father and ask for wisdom, and he will give you wisdom. Wisdom is a gift from God. I've discovered that wisdom is not just for the old, even though people who are older start to understand their need for wisdom more than people who are younger. But wisdom is for all, whether you are young or old here today, and I'm not defining what old is or young is. But wisdom is for all, and it is a gift from the Father. And God refers to himself throughout the Bible time and time again as the rock. Now, I'm not talking about Dwayne Johnson, the rock, you know. I'm not talking about some wrestler who turns a movie star rock. I'm talking about the eternal rock, the almighty rock, the rock who has been here since the beginning of time. The rock who is our refuge and our strength, the rock who is perfect and just. Throughout the Bible, as you read the Bible, you will see that God is referred to as a rock time and time again. I'll give you one example. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, Moses sang this song and he said this, he said, listen, O heavens, and I will speak. Hear, O earth, the words that I say. Let my teaching fall on you like rain. Let my speech settle like dew. Let my words fall like rain on tender grass, like little showers on young plants. Then he says this, I will proclaim the name of the Lord, how glorious is our God. Then Moses said this, he, meaning God, he is the rock His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright he is. God is a rock. And Jesus here is referring to his teachings as a rock. And he says that if you live a life based on my teachings, then no matter what life will throw at you, you will be able to withstand. So this week, my wife was telling me about a friend of hers whose uh, mother last year died and kind of shook the whole family and, and, and everybody was upset and she's still dealing with it. Well, this last week, she found out that her 
aunt had just lost her life to a, a long fight against cancer. And so in two years, this family had lost two sisters. It was, they, were, they were seen from the conversations as the bedrock of that family, and that family has been rocked. Well, two days after her, her aunt died of cancer, her son decided to commit suicide. Saddest thing ever, saddest story. I couldn't believe it when I heard it. It was so sad because the, the, this, this, this young man thought that life was so tragic and that nothing could happen. His life had been shook that he decided to take his own life. But I look back and I'm thinking his life was built on sand. His life was not built on the solid rock. And how sad and tragic it is. But what happens when the storms of life roll in? Can you withstand the storm when they come? See, when Jesus was saying these words to the people, his listeners around him, he was probably standing on a hillside. Maybe to his right was the Sea of Galilee, uh, where uh, some of the disciples had fished. And then around it was the beach. And then to his left, you could see up into the mountains and you could see the rocks that stick out and some of the houses that, 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 that were built on the rock. And you, he would be able to look down and there was, there was not a house that was on the beach of the Sea of Galilee because everybody knew that when the storms rolled in, when the rains come, then suddenly the, the streams would turn into rivers and they would go down the, 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 the hills into the Sea of Galilee and they would flood the beach. And everybody knew that you would never build on the sand at all that you would build on the rocks because the rocks were able to withstand the storms. But they also understood that building on rocky hills was not easy. Building on the rocks was hard work. Building on the rocks actually took longer to build. It was more work and it, it cost more money to build on the rocks. But everybody knew that saving a couple of bucks on construction or saving a couple of weeks in construction time, it was not worth it because they knew that when the storms come in that you wanted to be on the rocks. And this is just like the kingdom of heaven. You see, it is hard to live in the kingdom of heaven. Actually, in the kingdom of heaven, there is no quick fix in the kingdom of heaven. See, it takes humility to come to the cross of Jesus and repent. Humility is not easy. It's a lot easier to be prideful than humble. It, it is painful to stand up against the flow of our culture. When everybody's saying, do this, but Jesus is saying, do that, it is hard and it is painful to stand up against the flow of the culture. It takes discipline to stay on the journey of faith day after day. It takes stamina to continually stay faithful to him day after day, to pray and read your Bible and to stay close to the Father. But building on Jesus the rock is the only way to find hope that will keep you going when the storms roll in for Jesus is the rock. The second thing we see in this story is this, is that the sand is certain failure. The sand is certain failure. Now the disciples, they discovered through their life that following Jesus was hard. If you look at their lives, they went through a lot of stuff. And maybe at the end of their lives, if they look back, they probably would have thought, well, if I'd never followed Jesus, life would have been easier but they would have never experienced the fullness of God and the fullness of following Jesus. 
Because it is a lot easier to follow the crowd, to do what everyone else is doing, to find the quick and easy way to go about life. However, those who follow Jesus understand it's hard. And I think us as Christians, we need to be more like fish than deadwood. And this is what I mean. You've got a river that, that starts in the mountains and it flows down and it eventually goes into the sea. The, the river has a natural flow. It has a natural current that will take you. And if you want to just float, if you want to just lie there and float, the river will take you. And if you have a piece of dead wood, if you throw that into the river, it will float. It looks like it's an easy life on the lazy river. But suddenly the rapids come. And the, the wood gets tossed around here and there and everywhere. And that's what happens for people who build their life on sand. But the fish, have you noticed something about a fish? Fish. If fish went with the flow, there would never be a fish in the river. Because they would all end up at the sea. The fish understand that they don't have to flow with the currents that everyone else is flowing with. Fish understand that you can actually swim against the currents and you can have a pretty good life. Unless a bear comes, of course. And we need to be like fish. We need to understand that we don't have to go with the flow that everybody else is going in. We don't have to build where everyone else is building. That we can base our life on Jesus the rock and still have a full life. See, the sand looks like the perfect place to build, right? How many of you, you would love like a waterfront property, like a beachfront property, right? A place at the beach would be amazing, right? See, the beach looks like the perfect place to build. It's flat. It's easily accessible. It has a picturesque view. You can build a home quicker at the beach, and you can build a home larger for a lot less expense than you can in the hills. And if you did not know the power of the seas or the strength of the waves, then the sand would make the most logical sense to build. And that's the thing with our culture that we live in today. People do not understand the power of the seas when the storms of life come in. I, I, I know somebody, his name's Michael. He owns a house in, uh, in between Port Deposit and Conowingo in Cecil County. And he has this beautiful house that he bought about 10 years ago. And it is at the bottom of like a ravine. And it's secluded and he's got hardly any neighbors. And he thought it was the perfect place to, to, to live when, when he bought this house about 10 years ago. What, he's actually going through litigation procedures right now because nobody notified him when he bought the house that the house is uninhabitable. Because every time it rains or it storms, the, 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 the water comes down the ravine and goes right into the house. He said over the last like three years, he's been flooded about ten times alone. He can't live there anymore. And, and that is what life for so many people is like. We, we build this grand life and we don't understand that what we're building is not wise. Instead, it is foolish. And this is so many people in our world. Building on the sand, totally unaware of what will happen when the storms of life come. See, the wise person prepares for tomorrow. The foolish just builds for today. And, and, and as I was looking at that guy on the beach that day building that sandcastle, 
ignoring his family, trying to just build this great thing. So everyone would be like, wow, what a great sandcastle. I suddenly started thinking, who cares if you can build the biggest sandcastle? Who cares if, if, if people are going to come by and say, Look, wow, you know what I'd rather be doing? I'd rather be enjoying the beach. I'd rather be in the, the perfect glassy sea where you can see your feet and not worry if there's like fish swimming around there. I would rather just lay on the beach catching some rays or going to sleep. I'd rather be reading a book or playing with my son instead of spending all day just trying to build this thing that is going to collapse when the storm comes. The foolish spend their lives building up their own importance and forget what is really important. I've been reading a book at the moment by Artie Kendall. Artie Kendall is, uh, used to be the, uh, the minister at Westminster Chapel in London. He's a world-renowned uh, uh, speaker and, and author, and, uh, and uh, some of his books are great. Uh, and through this book I'm reading, this, he made this statement. He said this. He said, if I could have my time back again, I would have spent far less time preparing the perfect sermon and spend so much more time enjoying each stage of family life as my kids grew up. See, he understood, looking back on his life, really, you know, some of the stuff he was doing wasn't as important as what God had given him and his children, and he didn't spend enough time with what was really important. And, and Jesus identifies this in another parable. It's found in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 Verses 13 to 21. And this is what Jesus said. Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend, who made you a judge? Uh, who, made, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he says, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger barns. Then I'll have room enough to store all my weeds and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fall. You will die this very night. Then you will get everything you work for. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. This is what Jesus is saying in this parable right here. He's saying the kingdom of God is not measured by wealth, or influence, or importance. The kingdom of God is measured by relationship. Relationship with God and relationship with others. This man, this young fool, this young rich fool, all he could think about was just building bigger barns so that he became more important, so, so that he could have an easy life. But what happens when the storm came in? He lost it all. See, you may be trying right now in your life, trying so hard to make something of yourself. 
You may be trying to, to, to make your influence so much more or trying so hard to be a, a, a better person so everyone looks at you and thinks, wow. Maybe in your job, you've been trying so that, that your boss thinks that you are the bright and shining star of your company. You've been trying so, so, so hard to make something of yourself. But what happens when the storm hits? What happens when life takes a tragic turn? Well, what you've been working on, what you've been laying your foundation on, will it hold up? Maybe you might be saying today, you may say, well, Alex, I intend to follow Jesus. Eventually, eventually I'll follow him. But right now I've got some more important stuff I've got to take care of. You may say, Alex, eventually I'll start tithing. But right now I have some stuff I've got to pay on. You may say, Alex, eventually I'll start praying. But I've got a list of things I've got to get done first. You may say, Alex, eventually I'll volunteer. But first I need to sit and be spiritually fed. You may say, Alex, eventually I'll use my gifts for God when life slows down a little. You may say, eventually I'll give my life to Jesus but let me do some of the fun stuff first. You may say, eventually, I'll spend time with my kids or my wife or my husband. But let me climb the career ladder first. You may say, eventually. And if you are an eventually person, then I'm sorry to tell you that you cannot enjoy the fullness that there is in the kingdom of God. Why? Because eventually is not a word in the kingdom of God. Let me give you one last parable that Jesus gave as we close out this series. Matthew chapter 25, starting at verse 1. Jesus says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish. And five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five who were wise enough to take were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up. And prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for us all. Go to the shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. And the door was locked. Later, the other five bridesmaids returned and stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch. For you do not know the day, day or the hour of my return. Let me just give you some real quick context of that right now. In ancient Israel, weddings were opposite to weddings here. Here, the bride stands at the front, nervously knocking his knees together, hoping that the, the, that the, sorry, the groom stands at the front, knocking his knees together, hoping that the bride arrives. Happened on my wedding, let me just tell you. 
On my wedding day, it's like we were getting married at 11 in the morning. Uh, 11 o'clock, my brother-in-law puts a phone to me and he says, it's Raquel. And I'm like, oh no. I'm like, I've given up everything. I've moved country. I've quit my job. And now she's going to stand me up at the altar. And she was like, hey, honey, just want to let you know I've just got out the hairdressers. I'm like, what? (laughs) She was delayed by about 45 minutes. You ask her, she said it was about 20 minutes. No, it was 45 minutes. That's how it happens in our weddings today. In ancient Israel, it was different. The bride had to wait for the groom. And nobody knew what time the groom was going to come. All they knew, the groom would eventually come. And so what would happen is the bridesmaids, they would be the ones that would wait and they would keep lookout for the groom. When they saw the groom, they would rush to the groom and they would, they would help escort the groom into the place where the wedding is taking place. If it was dark, they would be the ones that would show him the way and give him the light. Once the groom was in the wedding place, the doors were shut and nobody else was ever allowed in. The first time I ever went to a wedding in the United States, I was amazed. We were 10 minutes late. I'm serious. We were 10 minutes late. We were that couple. And five minutes later, the wedding was over. I was like, what happened? Like in England, weddings like last for like an hour and a half. I mean, they're like long and you're like, oh, can we get to the party, please? But in ancient Israel, weddings would go on for days and days. But if you did not get there when the groom got there, the door was shut in your face. And so Jesus is given this parable. Everybody would have understood it. And in the parable that Jesus is given, the bridegroom is taking a little longer than he should be taking. And so the bridesmaids, they're there. They're getting sleepy. It's getting into the night. And so they fall asleep. But there are five wise bridesmaids who have prepared their lives so that if the groom takes a little longer, they're going to be okay. But there's five foolish who just took their chances. And so what happened? The groom came. They, they all ran out of oil. But the, the wise ones had their secret stash. They were able to put more oil in the lamp so they could show the bridegroom the way. And the foolish ran out. They went to the store to buy some oil. When they came back, the door was already closed. They were not allowed in the wedding feast, the marriage feast anymore. And Jesus says this. He says that I am going to go away to prepare a place for you. For my father's house, there are many mansions. And he says, then I will return. And Jesus in the Bible is referred to as the bridegroom. And Jesus is going away, has gone away. And Jesus is going to come back. And when he comes back, the the book of Revelation says there will be a wedding feast, a marriage feast where Jesus is the groom. And if you are not ready, then the Bible tells us that the door will be shut on you. It will be shut on you. And if you are wise today, or if you want to be wise today, then you need to be ready for when Jesus comes. The Bible says no man knows the day or the hour when Jesus will return. Nobody knows. And I'm not here to scare you today saying, hey, if you go out 
side today and Jesus comes back, are you ready? No, I'm not here to scare you, but I'm here to tell you that if you're not ready, there will be a day that he will come back. And if you are an eventually person, you could miss out. So the wise hear the words of Jesus and they understand that he is the rock on which to build our lives and that the teachings and the commands of Jesus are the foundation of what everything else should be built on. If you are wise, then you will know that preparation is the key. That you will understand that you do not want to be one of the foolish five bridesmaids and leave it too late. You will know that you don't want to be like the young, rich fool who thought life was about working and building bigger bonds, which really have no significance on your life or your soul. And you'll understand that you don't want to be the foolish builder who went the easy route and decided to build his life on the things that he chose to build on instead of the, instead of the teachings of Jesus. See, there's one thing in common about all these foolish people. They ended up losing all that they had expected to keep. Yet the wise, they knew there is only one guarantee in this life. And that is Jesus. So be wise today. And start to build your life with him, Jesus Christ, being first and foremost. And watch how when you live in the strong and unshakable kingdom of God, you will find peace for today, hope for tomorrow, and you will find joy in all that you have been given. Why? Because you are building your life on the solid rock, a firm foundation, which is Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Just as the band come back today, just before we finish, we're going to sing one more song. But before we do that, I ask you today, there are some in this place today, and you are like the foolish bridesmaids. You know that you're not right with God. You know that if Jesus was to come here right now, that you would not be ready for him. You may have done some good things in your life and, you know, you may follow some religious practices. But you know in your heart that if the groom, Jesus, comes, that you will not be part of that wedding feast. And if that's you today, then you have the opportunity today from being a foolish bridesmaid to becoming a wise bridesmaid. And the wise bridesmaids know this. They know that if you build your life on Jesus, when Jesus returns, you will be part of that marriage, that marriage supper, that wedding feast. And so today you have the opportunity to invite Jesus into your life. You have the opportunity to say from this day forward, I am going to build my life on the solid rock, which is Jesus Christ. I'm going to start to look at his teachings and build my life on his teachings. I'm going to give my life unto him today. But it starts with that act of humility and coming to Jesus and repenting for the sins that you've done in your life. And saying, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry that I've lived a life that is separate from you, disobeying you. Please come and forgive me. And so if that's you today and you know you're one of those foolish bridesmaids, 
then today I encourage you and I challenge you and I urge you. Come and repent to Jesus and ask him into your life. Maybe you're here today and you are like the young rich fool. You've concentrated so much on trying to better your life and yourself and your career and your financial situation and your influence and your opportunities and maybe your power. And you've forgotten about what is really important in this life and that is a deep relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've worked so hard You've neglected your family or your marriage or your friends or your kids. And if that's you today, then today is a day you can step forward in humility and you can come to the Father and say, Father, forgive me. For thinking that that life was about influence and wealth and importance. When really it's about a relationship with you, come and bring me back into that relationship with you. Maybe you're here today and you are like the foolish builder. And you have been building and building. And you know you've done the right things and, 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 and maybe you, you've got the right morals and the right values and maybe you're a good husband or wife or a good parent. But you know that the basis and the foundation of your life has not been built on Jesus. And you know that your faith would be rocked to the core if something tragic would happen. And if that's you today, then today you can ask God to start to be your foundation, your firm foundation, the rock that is unshakable. And so I'm going to pray right now. And as I pray, if you are any of those three types of people today, then I urge you, come in humility to the Father and ask Him to start to be the rock in your life.